You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. At the 10-yard line, second and eight. Three wide receivers now in motion as Bumpus left to right. Julius Jones with single setback. Matt Pump fakes, looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com. What up, folks? This is Michael Bumpus, and you're listening to Hawk Talk Preview Edition Week 14. As always, I'm here with my producer, Nasser Choby. The Seahawks are facing the Los Angeles Rams in Los Angeles at the Coliseum, a familiar place for Pete Carroll. But before we get into it, here's your injury update. All right, thanks, Michael. Pete Carroll stepped up to the podium as he does every single week and gave this update on Ziggy Anta, who played well last week but is recovering from a shoulder stinger. Uh, he looks. He looks like he's doing okay so far. Um, we won't know. Um, won't know for a couple of days if, if if he's clear and all that. So obviously, we hope Ziggy Anza is getting ready to go for this Sunday. Did a great job. No sacks last week, but did have tons of QB pressures and hits. On the other side of the defensive line, Jadeveon Clowney, who made it back to action last week against the Vikings, is still recovering from a core muscle injury, but things are looking pretty good. Pretty good. He's he's you know practicing today, and and that's a really good sign. It's a really good sign. Good to hear there from Coach Pete. And lastly, it seemed like the entire team was dealing with the flu. A lot of guys getting sick, a lot of guys being sent home. But it does seem like the bug has finally moved on. Uh, we're in pretty good shape. we got to hang on to our coaching staff now <laughs> make sure they make it through. All right, Michael, as you mentioned, we'll get into the Seahawks' Week 14 opponent, a rematch with the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams, who got beat pretty good against the Ravens a couple weeks ago, Got back on the recovery trail and ended up blowing out the Cardinals 34-7. Rams looking to build on a 20-0 lead. Third down and eight from the Cardinals 11. They break the huddle with 15 on the play clock. Gurley to the right of Goff. Three receivers out left, one right. Goff has a shotgun snap. Looking right all the way. He spins one to the goal line. And a toe tap by Cooper Cup for the touchdown. Touchdown, L.A. Jared Goff couldn't have walked it down there and placed it any better. Cooper Cup brings it in to take the lead to 26-0. Well, there it is, that outbreaking route that I was talking about. I should have just went with my first guess and not the second one. But Cooper Cup just runs a phenomenal route on Patrick Peters. I mean, spins him around. The ball is placed where only Cooper Cup can get it. He's able to catch it, get two feet down. Again, this team, they're starting to fill themselves. They're starting to get in that confidence again. They have a little walking around swagger to them. This is what you want. you got to keep that going. All right, Michael, the Rams trying to get that confidence back. I got that swagger back. That right. swagger back. What did you, you see from him? It all started with Jared Goff. He bounced back from a rough November, one of his best games of the season, threw for 424 yards and two touchdowns as the Rams were dominant over the Arizona Cardinals. Now, it is a bounce-back game. It was against the Cardinals, but you got to respect the numbers. Oh, you can't. I mean, it, it's a, it's an every-week league. You know, it doesn't matter what happened to you last week. It's always about the next week, and that's what they need. It didn't matter. Jared Goff, as you mentioned, it struggled in November, didn't throw a touchdown pass in the whole month, which is shocking to me shocking. in a Sean McVay offense where that didn't happen. But like I said, he bounced back over 400 yards and two touchdowns. So it looked good, man. If the, if the confidence is back, it's a great time for them, not necessarily for us. But, yeah, the numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie, and they needed that bounce back. The following week they lost, got embarrassed by the Baltimore Ravens, 45-6 to on Monday night, which makes it even worse. So them winning this game against the Cardinals – Keeps them in the playoff hunt, but they must keep winning ball games. Woods finished with a game high 13 catches for 172 yards. 
Tyler Higby caught seven balls for a career high, 107 yards and a touchdown, while Cooper Cup had six catches for 65 yards and another score. Goff completed 32 of 43 passes, and Todd Gurley ran for 95 yards and a touchdown. It seems like Gurley is slowly getting healthy. You think he, was, he wasn't healthy beginning of the season he's starting to get his legs back? I mean, I think so. If you look at the numbers, that was one of the best games he's had all season, and, uh, you know, it's – it's been kind of puzzling with, with Gurley, um, with the, how good he was in 17 and 18, and then at the playoff run, he wasn't playing a lot and kind of hit or miss so far this year, but that was, like I said, one of the best games, nearly 100 yards, so looks like Gurley's back. Looks like they got their guys performing. L.A. finished with 549 total yards, while Arizona only had 198 yards, and a big chunk, chunk of those yards came in the fourth quarter when the game was long and decided. That's the thing about stats. Stats can, be, can trick you a little bit, right? Um, obviously, the, Ram, the Rams dominated the Arizona Cardinals. They still put up 198, but in that garbage time, guys are allowed to produce. Uh, rookie Kyler Murray had arguably the worst game of his professional career. He was 19 of 34, 163 yards, um, and he threw a pig midway through the fourth quarter. You were kind of expecting this game sooner or later from Kyler Murray. He's been efficient for the most part. Um, he's taking care of the football for the most part. But you knew a game like this was coming. It was inevitable. Yeah, you know, he. I said a couple weeks ago that I thought, uh, looking at the Seahawks schedule, that the Cardinals were one of the teams that I was a little worried about. And it sounded kind of crazy just because of their record. But they'd played well. Both times they played the 49ers, they had chances to win that game. And like you said, he's a rookie. Kyle Murray was bound to have a game like that. This is what happens in your rookie season. But I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout-out to Taylor Rapp, yes, former sir. UW Husky, went pick six on him. Five sacks already for this Rams defense, and now they can pin their ears back at second down and ten. Murray fakes the draw, back to throw, pressure in his face. This one is intercepted at the 30-yard line, down the left side, returned for a touchdown. The third time's a charm for Taylor Rapp. The rookie scores it for L.A., and this one's out of hand. If Taylor Rapp didn't catch that one, we were going to have to talk to him on the bus. I mean... You have the first pick six, it hits you right in the belly, you drop it. The second one, you get off a tip, you have an opportunity to take it to the house, it gets called back for P.I. This one, Kyler Murray just can't see, and he's just trying to throw the ball to where he thinks the receiver is going to be. doesn't even see Taylor Rapp. Great job catching it with your hands and getting up the field, outrunning the ageless wonder, Larry Fitzgerald, to get in the end zone. I tell you what, man, this Rams defense, they're playing well right now. Taylor Rapp, he is in Husky, end of the day. He played in the state of Washington. So I'm going to support the kid. Yeah, man. Get to see a local kid make a play. And from what I hear, he's just a good person. And I always root for guys who have great personalities and coaches speak highly of. Big ups, Taylor Rapp. Great job on your first NFL pick six. So moving along, we're going to get to the key matchups now. The first matchup we have to look at is Jared Goff versus the Seahawks defense. So far this year, he has 3,419 yards, 12 touchdowns, and 11 picks, which tells me he will toss some questionable footballs up in the air for this defense to grab. Yeah, man, 11 picks is a lot, especially for him in this offense. He's going to take chances, and the Seahawks defense is definitely going to have their opportunities. The secondary's been playing well. We'll get into that in a sec, but definitely a lot of opportunities to get the hands on the ball because he's going to take chances. They like to run a lot of deep crossing routes. So they got weapons, so the Seahawks defense definitely has everything in front of them. 
They will have a chance. He has the fourth most pass yards in the NFL. Last time out against the Seahawks, he was 29-49, 395 yards, one touchdown, one pick. He threw for a lot of yards, but just under 60% passing. He led the Rams on a potential game-winning drive, but good old Greg Zerline missed the field goal in that, what is that, the the north end zone. Yep, that it, weird end zone where everybody misses, there. man, especially in primetime situations. But, no, golf, golf threw the ball all around the yard against us that first time, 395 yards um had just the one touchdown the one crazy interception i think by tedrick Tedrick, thompson um and then they got the ball back and drove all the way down obviously it was in our favor but i'm looking for the seahawks to bring that number down a little bit because jared goff's about to play a much different defense than he played in week four yep the corners will be more aggressive we got quandre back there now mcdougal is healthy i believe he was a little banged up that week so it is a different team for the the seattle seahawks defense and now this Rams offense is getting going, so we'll see how they counter that. Next matchup, Rams receiving core versus the Seahawks secondary. These guys are a problem. You start off with Cooper Cup, 73 catches, 945, six touchdowns last game against the Hawks. He had nine for 117 and was killing in the slots with those deep outs. He, you, I think you said this earlier when we played them on the pre- and post-game show that Cooper Cup is one of the best receivers in the NFL. Yeah. He's a, an absolute technician running routes. He did it. Obviously, people in the Northwest know about Cooper Cup as he balled out against Eastern and against every Division One opponent they played. So Cooper is definitely a problem. Cooper's nice with it. Backing him up, we got Robert Woods with 64 receptions, 835 yards, but no touchdowns. He's killing my fantasy team, and I hope he keeps <laughs> killing it because we don't need him to, to get going this game either. No, I mean, last game against the Hawks, he had five catches for 48 yards. It's really puzzling to me, a guy with his skill set and his talent level who's got the receptions and got the yards, but just for whatever reason can't get in the end zone. Also, can't forget Brandon Cooks, 31 receptions, 458 yards, one touchdown. Last time against the Hawks, he had one reception for 29. Please repeat that, Mr. Cooks. Following him up, they got the tight end, Gerald Everett, 37 receptions, 408 yards, two touchdowns against the Hawks. Last time, he had seven receptions for 136, but the Hawks have been playing well against tight ends since then. Oh, yeah. No, we've, I mean, we had Ertz. We had uh, Rudolph from, from the – we've played against a ton of really talented tight ends, and the defense is just – you can't say enough about how different this team is now than it was back in October. Back in October, all the questions were, are we ever going to find our pass rush? Um, what's going on in the secondary? We had a lot of moving parts, whether it was Tedrick, whether it was Leno. McDougal missed a couple games. But now, as you mentioned earlier, the defense in secondary looks a lot different, and you bring in a Quandre Diggs, and they're just balling out back there. Yeah, balling out, different kind of defense. There's a lots of talented guys on – on that Ram side, but the production is low in the red zone. I hope they keep that going. Next matchup, you got Todd Gurley versus Seahawks front seven. Um, it is in 2017, 2018, but he's still having a solid season. He has 145 carries for 654 and eight touchdowns. You can never sleep on this guy. He's not producing like he was, but you still see the ability in him when you watch the film. Well, it's just a burst, and he is a matchup nightmare because not only is he going to hurt you running the ball, it's when he gets out in in, uh, routes, when he gets out in the flat, when he gets matched up with a linebacker. So whether it's Kendricks or it's K.J. Wright, uh, whoever's coming in, Akeem King is doing all that kind of stuff, it's going to be a matchup nightmare when he gets into routes and he kind of gets in that flat and you got to match up one-on-one. 
And he's kind of feeling himself. He's coming off his best game against the Cardinals, 19 carries, 95 yards, and one touchdown. Now, the Hawks haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher since October 20th against, surprise, surprise, the Baltimore Ravens. This defense is looking good right now. Yeah, and it wasn't Mark Ingram. It was Lamar (laughs) Jackson. And everyone in the entire NFL is having the same exact stat line when they play the Ravens. If the Seahawks ever had an opportunity to play them again, I bet that would show up differently. But... The Seahawks defense is playing with some swag. They're playing their best ball, so I'd expect nothing less to repeat that on Sunday. Yes, sir. The next matchup, we got Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, the two-headed monster, versus the Rams front seven. The Rams are very middle of the pack when it comes to stopping the run. They're 13th against run, allowing 104 yards per game. The Hawks are averaging about 143 at this point. We have to take advantage of that there. No, I mean, when you run for... 200 yards against a top five defense against the Vikings. You go for over 100 yards against the number one defense, run defense against the Buccaneers. They have something. And a stat that I saw earlier today, the Seahawks have rushed for over 100 yards in, I believe, 11 straight games. It's somewhere in that march. And it is the third longest streak in the franchise's history. And they have a chance to, I think they have a chance to move into second place if they go for 100 again on Sunday. So this two-headed monster like we've talked about previously, is finally kind of showing up with what they wanted to see, a little one-two punch between them. When they're both getting carries and they're both active, they're hard to stop. They are, and that one-two punch rushed for 203 yards last week and two touchdowns. Beautiful to see. Now we're going to talk about this NFC playoff pitcher. Guess who's in second place in the NFC Let's right go. now? Those Seattle Seahawks, 10-2 and two above them. You have the Saints uh, below the Seahawks. you got the Packers and the Cowboys in the wild card. The team that the Hawks just beat on Monday night are the Vikings at 8-4 and four, and the those Niners down there in Cali at 10-2. and two. With that win last week, the Rams are still in the hunt. Somehow, Mitchell Trubisky and, and the Bears yeah. are sitting there a bit. And somehow, Jameis Winston and the Bucks are kind of in the picture. I wouldn't count on them, but hey, they're in the mix a little bit. It's not over till it's over. We know that. That's why you play the games. But in terms of the NFC, this one's locked down. So the Saints have clinched the NFC South. That's a done deal. At this point, they are playing to be the number one seed. That is what they are fighting for. Um, up for grabs this weekend, the San Francisco 49ers are at the Saints. Definitely going to be a huge game for everyone in Seattle paying attention to that. San Francisco can clinch a playoff berth this weekend if they win or the Rams lose or tie, and then if San Francisco ties in the Rams' loss. Okay, now the Seahawks are also made their first appearance in a playoff clinching scenario this week. The Seahawks, as you know, are taking on the Rams, and they clinch a playoff berth just with a win. Obviously, the Seahawks have much higher goals and ambitions to get in the playoffs, but whatever it is, that would still be a huge deal for them. Um, that's what's at stake right now. We talked about it the other day. Niners, New Orleans. Um, Who you got? Who you want? Oh, again, because we are not in the locker room. I don't play on Sundays. We can talk about this. Um, the greedy person to me says, I want the Niners to win because I would love a number one seed. The Seahawks have been in the Super Bowl three times. Every time they've done that, they've had home field advantage. Now, then the Saints beat us early in the year. They have the tiebreaker currently. I would love to get an edge up on them. But the conservative side of me says, well, no, win the division. That's Pete's always goal is to win the NFC West. They lose again. That just gives you even more, um, gives you more room for error down the stretch. So, like, ah, I'm – I'm going to lean on the competitive side of me, so I guess I guess I want the Saints to lose this week. I, I want that number one seed. I'm with you. I want the Saints to lose this week, but the great thing about this situation is no matter what happens, it's beneficial 
Oh, yeah, you're exactly. No matter where you look at it, you can spin it good for the Seahawks. And as long as the Seahawks keep winning, which is all that's all they're concerned about, yep. it doesn't matter. Yep. Just win, baby. Just win. All right, the path to victory. The Hawks got to set the tone early. The Rams are fighting for their playoff lives. Do not give them confidence. And this is the type of offense that once they get rolling, once they have some success, they get in the rhythm and they become extremely dangerous. Oh, they're scary. They are scary. I mean, I, I don't care what happened to them against the Ravens or what's happened to them at any point this season. When they are rolling with the weapons they have on paper, they are a matchup nightmare for any defense in the NFL. And like you said, you do not want to get Goff in rhythm early. I think if you bring pressure and you get to him early – That'll go a long way for you. You don't want them rolling early on. Yeah, golf does not handle pressure well. Also, you got to stop the big plays. All right, keep everything in front. Now, I'm interested with those weapons, with the cup, with uh, with with Cooks, with Everett. Are they going to play that press defense that we've been seeing? Are they going to bail? I think we're going to see both, but I want to see um, which one's going to be more dominant. At this point of the season, my confidence in Trey Flowers is high. My confidence in Shaquille Griffin is high with Quandre, with McDougal. So I would like to see them play aggressive, but it's always nice to mix thing up, things up and keep uh, McVay on his toes. Oh, for sure. And I think what they've done, what, what uh, Ken Norton Jr. has done a fantastic job, Pete Carroll, all the whole coaching staff, and how you've seen how active they've been, how mixing up different looks. If you got a big matchup, Akeem King has kind of played really well in the slot. You know, there's a lot of options there. So I think they're going to keep them on their toes. But, yeah, I'd look to see them to continue to be aggressive. And you got my man, number 3-7, Quandre Diggs. Get to know the name. If you don't know, you'll figure it out soon. He's coming down to smack you. He's smacking you. They must create turnovers. Stay active in the secondary. Now, uh, excuse me, Trey Flowers has had a pick, a pick in multiple weeks. Um, McDougal recovered a fumble last week. Shaquille has just been solid as ever. So keep that secondary going. It's gonna, I think it's going to come down to the secondary. Mm-hmm. Gurley's a threat. Obviously got to be good against the run. The Hawks have been solid against the run all year. But now this is the week, like I guess we say it every week, that these corners this secondary really make their money. Well, I mean, and Shaquille Griffin, I think he moved, He got a couple of pass breakups. I don't know if he's second or first now in pass defenses this year. So he's playing with all kinds of confidence. Uh, McDougal, like you mentioned, he had a pick against the Eagles. He recovered a fumble. They're just active, so let's just keep it rolling. And let's take care of the football. Two weeks in a row, Mr. Number 3 has thrown a pick, and Mr. Metcalf has put the ball on the ground. Carson has gotten rid of his fumble woes. Let's just take care of the football. It's all about the ball. If you can keep possession. Last week, the Seahawks had about 39 minutes of possession to the Vikings 20. Let's keep possession of the football. Keep the good times rolling. Yes, sir, man. It's all about taking care of the ball. And they're they're better than that. We know this team prides themselves on it, and they're, they're just waiting for that to show. Once you take that away, these guys are going to be unstoppable. They're going to be unstoppable. Continue being road wars. Let's go 7-0 and on the road. I don't know if it's been done, but, hey, we'll find out. It hasn't been done in this franchise history. If they go to 7-0, it'll be the, first, it'll be the most wins ever in the franchise history Road wins well, in this keep, season. Let's get it done. Let's keep making history. You know how the Hawks do. It's been real. This is Michael Bumpus along with NASA Chobie. Hawk Talk preview. Week 14, the Hawks are going to Cali to take on the Rams. Let's come back 7-0 on the road. It's been real. This is Michael Bumpus. See you next time.